Hey, hey, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. On today's episode, I talk to AJ Leon, a friend of mine that I've known for quite a while now, and I mention on almost every single podcast episode so far. He runs Misfit, and he'll tell us a little bit more about what Misfit is or all the things Misfit is. But I'm really excited to talk to AJ today because he's someone that I deeply admire, not only for his business sense, but for the incredible creativity he brings to every single decision he makes. I'm excited for all of you to hear what AJ has to say. Let's get to it. AJ, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be on and just to be hanging out with you again. I mean, it's been almost three years, so... I I'm, know. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm it's pumped. been a long time. Yes. Time flies. Yes. Tell us a little bit, for everybody who doesn't know you as well as I do, and like we were talking about a little earlier, Misfit, you know, your business, your event, like the whole thing has been mentioned on more than half of the episodes of this podcast. Oh. So this is kind of momentous. For people to hear from you, what tell us a little bit about AJ and about Misfit. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. That means a lot. You know, I'm just a I'm just a gypsy, so to, for anyone to say anything like that about me is very, very kind. I mean, I my name is AJ Leon. I um, founded and run a company called Misfit, which different people around the world know in different ways, but Misfit is essentially a collection of six different organizations, a creative agency with where we do digital, mainly digital work uh, around the world. So that's developing websites, mobile applications, mobile, some direct mail. I mean, just all types of creative work, experiential design. And we also have an innovation lab where we launch our own startups inside of Misfit, Twitgive, Snapstory, and a couple others we have in development right now. We produce a conference in Fargo, North Dakota once a year, uh, which is... Uh, the only conference I think in the world that doesn't have a website associated with it, and there's no evidence that the thing happened or is happening. <laughs> uh, publishing house based in Vancouver, which we produce artisan books that we think the world should uh, read, and a uh, humanitarian aid foundation where we've done all our humanitarian work the last few years, and now a studio, and we're producing our first short film, which should be out in May. Uh, like in that's it. There's no more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all evolved from humble beginnings. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy now more so, as you know, like, I mean, you, we've known each other for a while and it's that, you know, I mean, now we have got, you know, Misfit has operations in Vancouver, London, New York, Austin, um, Manila, Cagayan. Those are offices, you know, with people and that are working for the company and doing amazing work. And we do, you know, work in pretty much every continent, depending on whether it's humanitarian, creative, whatever, across the globe, you know, but that all started, <laughs> you know, eight years ago, with me in a backpacker bag trading web design for bagels uh, on a computer I stole, you know, so, so yeah, it's, but anyways, that's, that's what I do today. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you started this whole misfit journey, like by leaving your job in finance eight years ago, you know, and you're <laughs> making a living by making websites in exchange for bagels, like you said. And it's kind of extended into the, all this other mystery. But it's been, you know, it's been a while now. Eight years is eight years. That's uh, exactly how long I've been with J-Dog. And <laughs> now you see we have, we have a child. I so, know. This is a long time. What is life like for you now with all this stuff going on? 
life is what is life like like what's a day in my life like or like what what do what do i enjoy or what do, what do you mean it sounds like a lot my i guess what i'm trying to it's get a at lot, is yeah. how do you manage you as a person how do you manage all this stuff and i know you have a great team but you yeah. have peace in it how do you manage all this stuff you know that's a great question marcella i think you know for me you know with misfit it's i don't follow as anyone who knows me even a little bit knows that i'm i don't follow profit motive in every I, I, my life is not a i'm not very interested in accumulating wealth i'm also not very interested in being famous so when those two things are untrue it actually frees you up quite a bit because then you can just kind of follow your interests you know and figure out how to make that palatable and obviously you need to generate revenue in, in whatever whether you're an artist or a business person or a mixture of both you got to figure out the, how that works but it does it does free you up in a lot of ways so i mean the way that i manage i i'm, I'm busy but i've always been busy because i've always 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 followed my interests i made myself a promise eight years ago when i left my former life and that promise was as soon as i hit the street the day after i walked out and i walked out on a dime, I walked out because I knew if I didn't that day, I was going to be that dude for the rest of my life. And I promised myself, I promised myself that from that day forward, my life was going to be mine and mine alone. And that I was going to be flamboyantly me, no matter where that took me. And it wasn't about, you know, oh, I'm going to leave to start this business and I'm going to do that. And probably, I'm not a serial entrepreneur. I'm not, I'm none of that. You know, I'm just a guy who likes to create beautiful things in the world and i've got a lot of different interests and 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 a central ethos which is which revolves around living life with intention doing work that actually matters and changing the world so whether we're you know i'm producing a film or whether you know we get i get into the publishing industry and we're producing handcrafted books or the conference you know those are things that i absolutely love to do i pour my whole heart and soul into it so you know, I manage because I, I just, I love every last little second of it, you know, and I've created a life where I can travel, which to me, that was like the, you know, the highest kind of one of the highest virtues for me was just the ability to, to always be on a grand adventure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I'm really curious about the intersection of these interests and making a living because oh. I mean, so Misfit is a boutique digital agency, a conference, an incubator, and all this, you know, everything that's going on. Yeah. And when you and I sat down for coffee uh, almost three years ago in Fargo, what we talked yeah. about was the difficulty of carrying our entrepreneurial burdens. Yes. And I remember you telling me like, you know, I, cause I was telling you at the time that I felt the burden of everybody's like salaries, you know, on my sure. shoulders. Yeah. So how is it that you, you get to do everything that you enjoy? And at the same time, make sure that all these offices, all these people that work with you, that I know that you're very similar to me in the sense that, you know, your team becomes like your family. Totally. Yeah. We're, we're Latinos. So, yeah. you, you know, know it. of you course. Know it. Yeah. Represent. Represent. How do you do that without kind of succumbing to those burdens and those stresses? I know that you have amazing client relationships. Yeah. You know, I've. I've met some of them in Fargo because they yeah. were as speakers and friends of yours. You <laughs> That's know, right. like, no big deal. Yeah. My clients are my buds. How did you? How did you manage that? And I, because I think that you kind of hit on. There's this intersection that is just magic, 
And I yeah. know a lot of people want to, in their own way, recreate that magic. So sure. tell me a little bit about that. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the first thing that, that I think everybody has to, you know, accept, and this is something that a lot of people don't or don't, you know, don't, don't really get the, the cold calculus of it is that we live in a world in which we live in a free market capitalist world. You know, you and I may not be pure form capitalists. Maybe we believe in a little bit of socialism. Maybe we believe in, you know, in, in equality and parity, but we live in that world, you know? So you can be in the world and not of the world, as it were. So, you know, from that perspective, you have to, you have to figure out a way to generate revenue if you want to produce art in any fashion, you know? For instance, you know, MisfitCon, which you've mentioned many times, I, I have never not taken an enormous loss in MisfitCon. You know, last year we took a $35,000 loss on MisfitCon. Thirty-five to $40,000 loss, depending on how you look at it. That's huge, because when we talked that, that day in Fargo, it was around 10. Right. And I remember exactly. being like, can I help you with this loss? Right. And it, and it happens. And people look at me, you know, and you have to imagine, like, and I've got friends that are like, you know, <laughs> they're more they're more on the spectrum of entrepreneur than artist than I am. So they're looking at it and saying, look, this is an amazing conference. You produce, you know, everybody loves it. You can scale it. You, can, you know, you can make money this way. I'm like, guys, 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 you know, I have degrees in accounting and finance. I graduated number one in my class, summa cum laude, in three years. <laughs> you know, I was a banker. I analyzed businesses for a living and I did very well. I know how to make money. You know, I, I know how to make a profit. It's not like I'm like, ooh, you know, like, whoops, I lost 40,000. You know, it's a deliberate action. I do that deliberately because in order to produce the event that I want to produce at the scale in which I want to produce it, I have to take a loss. There's literally no other way around it. That's with sponsorship, whatever I can get, because I don't want to advertise it to everybody and I want it to keep it very artist and I want people to feel loved and I don't want to sell a ticket for $1,500 because then you're going to get $1,500 people in the room and I not that I don't want the people who can afford $1,500 in, in $1,500 tickets to a conference in the room but I know that there's a lot of people that are artists that that you know artists photographers or whatever freelancers they can never afford that so that's not what I want I don't want that limitation in other words that is to me it's Although it's a conference, you know, it's got a six-figure budget, it's a big deal. It's a business in anybody's terms. It's a business, right? It has its own, it's it's its own, you know, it's its own legal entity. It has its own bank account. It has its everything, you know, vendors that get paid, checks that get cut and, and all that stuff. However, I have to subsidize that that activity, right? I subsidize that activity through other businesses that, that do generate revenue. And that's been my model at Misfit. Now, everybody does things differently. And some people that are, you know, pure form startup guys and gals, they're just, you know, they start a startup and you're working on that start, you know, whatever. But Misfit's a slightly different model. There is a subsidy model for all our humanitarian work. We have, we've funded ourselves. You know, we've gone out and done projects, fundraising projects out of our own back on our own dime. And what that means is we're generating profits from other work. Now, the way that's worked in my world is that I focused on, you know, back and this is, you know, this is not rocket science today, but back in 2008, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the web. Like I was not, I didn't know anything about the web. I didn't know anything about building websites. I was, I was in finance. My education was in finance. My career was in finance, but I was smart enough back then to see like, this is the new, 
kind of frontier. And as a student of history, I mean, if you look at like the Rockefellers and the people that really moved things during the, you know, d- during the early 1900s, and you know, they were they were the people that could look at plots of land in New York City, you know, and and actually build things, build buildings, and create things where there was nothing before. So I, I realized this big limitation where it's like, I have ideas, I have these things I want to do, but if I can't build them online, then I can't, you know, then, then, then I'm going to be limited by that. So then I just put every last energy, you know, trying to figure out, okay, you know, how do I do? And, and I taught myself design. I mean, I taught myself design on my own. I read from the LAJ stocks. I followed my cuss. I followed some of the greatest designers in the world. Everything they put out, I just ate it up. And and then I started teaching myself that. And then I found people, you know, I found my, my buddy Dino who joined me really early on and he taught himself. He didn't know anything about co-engineering at all. Now he's one of the most talented backend developers I've ever met, but he taught himself. And then Melissa taught herself, you know, the Melissa taught herself <laughs> WordPress and all this stuff. And we just kind of cobbled together this ability to to create things on the web and then we just kept on and and when i say trading web design for bagels i mean it was literally like you know the first couple deals i cut were i mean the first deal i cut was with a coffee shop in 2008 because we were starving we had no money we had no anything and we basically had just made a deal that if the coffee shop would give me their excess coffee and bagels at the end of the night then we would you know build them a website and, you know, there's no way anybody was going to pay me to make them a website at that time. I wasn't good enough, but I could get that deal. To me, that was mitigating my expense. Now, it wasn't generating revenue, but I was mitigating my expense, food, right? My, one of my main expenses. I did the same thing traveling around the world, bartering, you know, web design for places to sleep. Did it all the time. But over time, I, my, my mind frame was always on continuing to evolve the skill and getting better and better and better and better and just adding and to the point where then we could start charging for it. And if you fast forward that without boring you and all your listeners, you know, eight, eight years through, through a series of, of, you know, really kind of a, a lot of hard work and effort in, into like perfecting a craft and then just, just you know, meeting amazing people and, and, uh, you know, finding a way to work with them. That's led to today where, I mean, we've done websites for Citrix, and, you know, L'Oreal for their sustainability department, UNICEF, we just got done with a pro, you know, at World Vision, we just did a project for those guys. So it's, you know, I mean, that, so the, the question is in terms of the business model, I see what you're getting at. I wish I could answer it in a more succinct fa- fashion, but basically I focused on, on a business that I did love because I love design and I love, you know, getting things pixel perfect and, and really handcrafting an interactive experience that I think is beautiful. So I do love it. It's not like I was, you know, selling, I don't know, chairs for not, not that that would be a bad thing, but I, you know, I focused on something that I love, but also something that I knew was sell like could sell, you know, I you knew know, that I could speak about chairs. I know yes. that you have some interest in them because, because yes. Fargo, I mean, Misfit Con is kind of like walking into Pinterest and <laughs> all of the chairs were borrowed from all over town and they were absolutely beautiful. So I think you do. You do enjoy chairs. I do. I do enjoy chairs. But I of do course. believe you that, like, you know, everything about Mrs. Khan is love. I mean, you even let JJ attend 
kind like for a few sessions for free because he was just in Fargo with me. He wasn't totally attending the conference. But I'm curious what goes into making these decisions because I know that you, you know, you work with Melissa. She's your wife. You know, yeah. these are important conversations. Is it something that you do decide together, or is it something that the whole team has a say in? How does that work? I mean, the design of the conference in specific, I, I that's me. You know, so that's my project. And what I do is, and this is going to sound ludicrous, but I basically moved to Fargo for six weeks before the event. I stay in Fargo for six weeks, and all I focus on is the experience and the de design. Now I'm coming up with ideas all throughout the year, but for six weeks, the, all I mean, I'm literally in Fargo, just meeting with people and, and putting together every last element of every moment it's from the time that people get off the plane in the airport to the time that they're going to go back home i think about every single one of those moments and i and and i'll design experience an experience around that that i think will be special and that mainly that will that i think will translate into making individuals feel loved and i feel like you you if somebody designs things If I design something and I and I bake every last ounce of energy, creative energy and love that I, I feel, I know that you'll feel it, you know. And so there is, there are no constraints, you know. I don't, I don't really focus. I mean, I know I'm going to take a loss. I, you know, I just focus on those, on those things. And and then when you dwell on something enough, you know, you could be looking at a room. And for instance, this last year. The, the the premise of the design of the aesthetic design was alchemy and and what that you know to me what that means is is turning treasure in or trash into treasure you know and i wanted that to come across without actually stating that so the design was i collected all the trash i made everybody on my team for six weeks Anytime we'd like drink beer, or, you know, have beer bottles or food containers, whatever, we kept all that trash. And then that trash I turned with a team of people into the artwork that people walked into in that experience. And the reason why I did that, you know, was just to, to as, as a metaphor almost to say, you know, you could look, you could look at something and something's a pile of trash to one person, but to another person, it's, you know, it's a beautiful bouquet of, or a chandelier, 17 beer bottles with lights in them, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I'm curious about this love affair with Fargo, North Dakota. I mean, for everybody listening, you're not from Fargo. Um, I'm not, yeah. But you've ingrained yourself in the creative community of Fargo. I mean, you even convinced me to fly there a few years ago <laughs> from Nicaragua, and I look forward to flying there again in a few months, hopefully, Yeah. if my email works. Yeah. <laughs> um, I so you, you better. You, you've kind of joined this movement. Oh, I'm coming, and my child is coming. Prepare yourself. Good. That's awesome. We have we have babies in Fargo now. There's tons of little babies around. He's not a baby anymore. He opens doors. He speaks. Wow. Oh, my um, gosh. It's crazy, That's my crazy. friend. It is crazy. Wow. Wow. So you, you kind of joined this movement of kind of showing the world just how, like, creative and beautiful and embracing Fargo is as a city and a community. And living in Managua, I very often feel creatively starved or like I'm missing yeah. out on creative connection. I'm curious what lessons you have to share about turning kind of a small town, quote unquote, into such a creative space and place. Yeah. I mean, I, Far, Fargo is a geographical misfit, you know, because it's in the Midwest, in the, in, in, you know, the, the, the East hand side of North Dakota and in the middle of the Great Plains, I mean, 
miles and miles and miles in any direction. All you're going to see are, are you know, like this beautiful prairie everywhere. And then in the crest in the middle of it, you have this tiny town of like creators and makers and, you know, tech entrepreneurs and just this energy. And you just would never expect it. So that immediately attracted me to that town. You know, it immediately attracted me to that town. And, you know, I feel like our role as Misfit in Fargo, and this is only through, you know, now with through time, has been to reflect back and, and Greg from Fargo, the, you know, Fargo's own ambassador <laughs> has said this to me before, you know, that, that misfit, like we, we basically turned the mirror on this town to show it how beautiful it was, you know, like they, like to, to, for, for a group to come from the outside and say, no, you don't get, no, you're amazing. Look, look at you, you know, yeah. and, and all these individuals from all over the world descending on, on this town that they've never been to before leaving and having so many great experiences. And then, you know, and the most selfless thing is just writing about it and putting it online that gets back to that town. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this Marcella, but then this is crazy, by the way, the city itself in their, their convention visitors bureau, which is like the, what goes out and advertises the town of Fargo, right? In their branding documents, when they go to conference, I've seen the printed material. They call themselves a town for, of misfits. Oh, a town for the misfit, you. you know. So it's like, but they 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 identified with that with that message as well because they are they totally are misfits. Where yeah. they, you know, so I mean, yeah. and, and it's and, and it's an amazing town. I was what there five days, four days, yeah. and uh, it, it kind of and it's going to sound corny, but you know, it's a place that it stuck with me. And when people are like, oh, I mean, last year we didn't go because it was JJ's fortieth birthday. So you know, people are like, what are you guys going to do for? For Gigi's birthday, we're going to Fargo. <laughs> Why? Don't worry about it. You're not going to get it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's it's Fargo is a kind of town where I guess you kind of have to see it to believe it. It's yeah. more beautiful and interesting than I ever expected. Yeah. Very, very yeah. cool. And I mean, I hope one day that Nicaragua will kind of have a creative community like that. But that what you said about turn, having a mirror to kind of show us yeah. How beautiful well, and, already and are. Exactly. And, and people have to stick. You know, yeah. that's the thing. You know, Fargo had a diaspora problem for many years. And then people like Greg, you know, Jake, who runs Myriad, uh, Mark Weiler, who runs the H.A. Art Gallery, and, and a, a ton of other creatives, creative decided that they were actually going to stay and build the town that they wanted to live in instead of just leaving to Minneapolis or Chicago or you know, and that's a per- that's a very beautiful sentiment, and now it's just grown and grown and grown through the years. I mean, this coming from a nomad and a complete jet setter. I mean, you hop around yeah. this planet like nobody's business. <laughs> totally, and that's <laughs> why they, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that also attracted me to it because you know I can see the beauty. I am a, a nomad. I mean, to this day, like I, you know, last year I traveled two hundred fifty thousand miles. I love adventure and I love travel, and I am in my heart and my soul marcella i am i am a nomad i'm i can't i'm an adventurer that's who i am but when i plant myself in a community and you see that level of love you know and that care and the fact that people rally man it like when you see that you're just like wow that is so beautiful and to me especially as somebody who kind of dots around like it is so endearing you know to see it and i respect it so profusely and and it's just really an attractive, beautiful thing. Like you just feel the kind of love and 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 loyalty, and just you know, it just it kind of envelop you. 
And yeah, anyways. Yeah, no, I, I came home from Fargo with like handmade soap and all this other interesting <laughs> things. And, you know, mugs that say Fargo, the best city in the world or something like that. Yeah. We still use yeah. those. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah. There's staples <laughs> in this house. So I'm curious, you know, you love all these towns with, you know, makers, you know, and there's also a love affair with Stratford-upon-Avon, right? Like, yeah. you are obsessed. <laughs> Yes. But one day, you know, you're in London, another day you're in Africa, I check your Instagram and you're in Bali. I mean, <laughs> how do you find the time to keep creating? And uh, and I mean that versus time spent managing. Yeah, I mean, the, that's a great question as well. I'm very, very rigid with my time. So if anybody knows me, that like, I'm I'm very rigid with my time. So no matter where people ask me about my schedule all the time, like, how do you keep a schedule by traveling around the world? How do you get things done? I always, I mean, little practical things. Like I always get up before the sunrise. Always. If the sun's up and I'm not up yet, I get pissed. And that's a big joke. But like Melissa and Jesse are like, they, they know how mad I am, you know? So and you stay up late, my friend. I, do like, stay- I could not keep up with you in Fargo. <laughs> I was like, peace. I'm going to sleep. These people, how do they do this? Uh, you know Cubans, you know, like we like the party, we like yeah. you know, they like to dance, we like the party. But yeah, so I mean, I get up, I get up very early in the morning, you know, and I always use that time after I do a little prison workout, and I just, and then I just grab my notebook and I use that time to read and to sketch and to dream, and I do it every morning, and I've done it every morning, no matter what city I am in the world. I don't get to what people would consider work until you know work work until like you know usually nine o'clock you know like earliest earliest nine o'clock ten o'clock but i've been up for hours by then i've already been up for four and a half hours you know um with my you know in solitude you know alone and and i think that's that's one of the ways that i've I've maintained the ability to continue creating and then i also block you know i block out a lot of time and like i said you know i'm just i'm very very rigid discipline with my time and i think people think and when when people think about creativity sometimes they think that you know it's just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and just kind of running around but actually what i've found is so many artists that i mean i mean even visual artists are actually really anal retentive i mean they're really ocd about stuff you know sometimes and i think that you know rigidity has probably helped me, me maintain some like blocks of time no matter where i am you know and I want to ask you about this prison workout because <laughs> this is... I don't think um, I've ever had anyone ask me about my prison this workout. This is ridiculous, AJ <laughs> Leon. Like you... So fitness is very important to me. My, I recently interviewed somebody named Gallo who's... I told him, I was like, you need to come to Misfit. You would love it. That's the thing. Like I'm spreading the word. I really shouldn't. Um, <laughs> so we were talking about movement and how important movement is to kind of expanding your mind and connecting you to your mind in a more positive way instead of, you know, succumbing to negative thoughts and stuff like that. And so Mm. how movement affects that versus fitness. But I'm curious about this prison workout because no matter where you are in the world, like home sex, you are jacked. Like (laughs) how do you do this? Well, first of all, thanks. And and also Um. it's like side note, it seems like it's, it just, you go about this whole thing is like, it's no big deal. Like, Oh, so I did this prison workout and then, and then I spent 15 hours a day working and like, no big deal. So I have a six pack. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you're extremely healthy and it yeah. seems like it's a byproduct. It's not something you focus on. How do you do that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what I try to do is I try to, instead of listening to, like, conventional wisdom, you know, about anything, I usually, and you know this about me, like, I don't, like, just like I don't produce my conference in the way one should produce a conference, you know, I, I don't, when I think about fitness or health, I just do it, I do my own research and I do it in my way. So I, what I figured is, you know, I can't spend an hour and a half or two hours, three days a week in a gym. I just can't do it. I don't have the time. There's no way I could find a gym when I'm traveling around, you know, so that I, I need to do something that I can take with me no matter where I am around the world. And I knew that I started as soon as I decided I was going to be a gypsy. And then, you know, all you can do is basically isometrics, right? I mean, basically. So I just did a bit of research on the best types of isometric exercises to do and and how to do them and just created my own little, you know, workout. And the reason I call it a prison workout is because I could do it in a prison cell. And I needed that because sometimes I've lived in a bus, you know, I lived in the RV for, which was not a big RV. And I lived in there for like, you know, four or 500 days more or less. So, you know, I travel all over. So sometimes you're in tiny hotel rooms in Tokyo or, you know, wh- wherever. And every morning without fail, seven days a week, I do my prison workout. I roll out of bed. <laughs> And it only takes me half an hour, but that's, you know, it's seven days a week of a half an hour full body prison workout. And that's pretty much, that's all I do. But, you know, if you do anything every single day, I mean, for instance, like the way I put it to people is like, if you wanted to become an expert in World War II history, you could take a class in World War II history, like then go one day a week part-time to the local college and do that. Or... You could do research on the best books in World War II history, Norman Davies and all these boys, and just read half an hour a day every morning. And if 365 days a year you were reading about World War II history, in about three months you'd know more than anyone you know. In about six months you'd be well enough to probably teach a class on it. And in a year and a half you would be a, you would be a professor. I mean, you would be an expert in the field. Because no, I mean, very, you know, so, and that's just through little you know, the tiny infinitesimal almost effort, but it's done repetitively and like dictatorially on a, on a daily basis. So that's, you know, and probably back to my, you know, OCD, very, very, anal, you know, like I'm, I'm very kind of like a metronome. So, but that's it. That's, that's kind of, there's no secret to it, you know? And then beyond that, I just, you know, I mean, I eat pretty well, I guess. But I do travel a lot, so there's a lot of late nights. You know, things a lot of happen. Late nights, a lot of champagne, a lot of bourbon. <laughs> lot, there's a lot of champagne. Yeah, exactly. Tons of, tons of bourbon. Right? So it sounds to me like, I mean, this is a topic that I've talked about on the podcast. I mean, people who are James Clear, the expert on habits. But it sounds like your habits are what allow you to do as much as you do. But at the same time, it just sounds like you're so at the in tune with yourself. Yeah. And that, and that is a habit as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, and, and also Marcel, I mean, to be honest, like from a personal perspective, like, you know, my, my blog is entitled the pursuit of everything, you know? So I'm not really willing to leave anything on the table. You know, I mean, I just, I always try to figure out, you know, if I want to do something, I'll figure out how to do it. Even if I can only dedicate five minutes a day, well, I'll do it five minutes a day for the rest of my life. And I'll, you know, and I'll figure, I'll just, I'll, I'll slot it in, you know, if something's very important to me. And like so, this podcast. Like this podcast, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
which only spanned, uh, I mean, we planned this for a few months. You've probably hit every single continent since we've tried yeah, to fit I'm this so in. Sorry. I'm so no sorry about way. that. I, I just, am just like, so excited. The, the last half of last year was ludicrous, dude. I was actually on five continents in the last like three months. It was nuts. So I really apologize for that. Not at all. I am just excited that we are here. I, Me too. I definitely am a big fan when people say, you know what, I have, yes, soon, I'll be in touch. Because honestly, that's a beautiful answer to hear, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm making, I'm creating, I'm doing all this stuff, and it's beautiful. I want to do this with you as soon as I can, you know? And that's, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. So huh. I'm just excited. I'm excited. I have a question. That yeah. We've talked about a little bit on various occasions. You know, I'm Melissa's number one fan. What is yeah. it like working with your wife? I mean, I love it. You know, obviously, you know, I I love it. And Melissa and I work very well together. We have been working together for as long as I've been doing anything that I would consider art. I mean, so I'm way this to JJPS. This is all research. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to join me on the webs. So uh, I'll be in the answer <laughs> Googles. Uh, can't wait to see that dude again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've been working together. When I used to produce the, the first thing we, I ever did professionally was produce Shakespearean theater. This is back, back in the day, way before Misfit. It was the first version of Misfit, actually. In all, and I just couldn't make it work. I went bankrupt doing theater and then decided to go into banking. And we worked together then. She was my stage manager, and I directed a lot of the performances and produced all of them and acted in some of them. And, and that was like my you know first artistic pursuit. We did that for, with each other for three and a half years. And, and that was when we were like kids, man. So we've been doing, we've been working together for a long time. We have a great rapport. Melissa follows me on all of my, you know, she, she is a great, you know, partner. She's just a great, you know, like she's just, she's just there and she's such a good, you know, she's so smart and she's such a great like utility person that she's just like, you know, when we started an office in Austin, it was like, okay, Melissa just moved from London to Austin and then was just, you know, here because she can, she can do it all. She can figure it out, and you know, no matter what. She oh yeah, to <laughs> totally. Yeah, exactly. And she makes sure everything's good. And it's like, and to be able to do that, you know, I mean, is, 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 is incredible we have we just have a great working rapport and she's you know to her credit like she just has always even and the thing that i love about was she she's always respected my vision and my you know like that like my my ideology of just if you're gonna live then bleed to the edges you know and she has like she's the she's the embodiment of that she's like the first misfit you know what i mean she's the most loyal most dependable human being you know that i've that i've ever met and she's always been there and she'll always be there because she was there for me when i when 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 i had nothing and when i when i took a big risk and everybody in my life told me i was a idiot and i got one girl looking at me even in the worst days you know when like things would happen she just turned to me and be like well you know what? it takes more than that to kill a leon and then she she just like <laughs> you know let's go <laughs> and it's you know so that's amazing that is that is an amazing quote that is <laughs> yeah. She actually said that. That is her quote. <laughs> no, I'm seriously going to send this to JJ and be like, "Look, it's possible. Let's do this. Let's do something totally. together." Yeah, totally. I mean, and some people, for some people, it isn't. 
it's, it's interesting because some people are like, I can't believe it works for, you know, you guys do that. You know, it's like, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the magic is, but it def- definitely can work. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. So I have one last question for you, yeah. DJ Leon. Yes. I'm I've here. long felt like creativity is kind of like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. How do you handle the ups and downs of that? In terms of like, if I feel like I've run out of ideas. You know, whether you're writing, whether you're working on a design, sometimes it feels like for different reasons, fear can creep up into the creative process and kind of smash it uh, into little pieces. But, you know, then you have those ups where it's just like, I am the master. Yeah. I rock. And sometimes those ups and downs can get, they can get overwhelming. It's the distance between the two, you know, and just constantly yo-yoing. Yeah. Does that, I mean, okay, maybe, maybe it doesn't happen to you. Maybe you're just like the creative, like monster, but does it, if it does, how do you handle the ups and downs? You know, it definitely happens. I think, you know, for, you know, for me, I think for all of us, you know, that are creating a lot of times, you know, it's not just tied to creativity. It's, it's also tied to just the practicalities of life and revenue and expenses and, you know, the, there are times in the past eight years where you're like, oh my God, you think all is lost and where you think, you know, it's like, it's going to go upside down and that zaps your creative energy because you're focused on like, how the f- going to, and, and the fear creeps in and are you good enough and are you smart enough and did you f- everything up and the greatest fear of all, which is, I mean, the greatest fear, which is, are you the biggest fool of all, you know? And that, yeah, I mean, certainly that's, that I've had, those moments through the years and you know for me i mean there's 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 two postures you know one one there's there's a posture of bravery or courage and that's a forward-leaning posture that's a posture of like the person who's just out there you know always killing it and always slaying dragons and always you know and there's you know people out there that are truly like that and they just don't they're not they don't have a lot of bad days and they're just you know always courageous and i don't think i am you know for me i think i you know maybe a quality that that i present possess i wish i was courageous i wish i was brave but i i know that at the very least i'm defiant and in the end and even in the worst days when it when when those those days creep and creep and have crept and crept and crept on me i will not relent the last inch and I think that's the most important thing for all of us to remember because you, you're going to have days that, where you feel like everything is taken from you, but do not relinquish the last inch. Whatever that is for you, don't relinquish that last inch. Dig your heels in and the posture of defiance as your heels are dug back in, your, your back's against the wall, but you're not going to, you're not going to let it go, you know, in the end. In the end, you're going to keep on, stay on your feet and keep going. And it's an important, you know, it's an important distinction between those two postures. And I think that's, I mean, it's an abstract answer to, to you know, a, a broad question, but I hope that makes sense. And it might not. <laughs> I, I think it definitely makes sense. And Homeslice, I think you are courageous. So <laughs> as well, if there's anyone, I mean, it, it, I think that defines and cur- they go together, you know, I feel like. That's, that's something that's going to stay with me lately. I mean, I'm, I'm working on my next book and, uh. So I'm, I'm going to take that, that quote, that advice to heart tomorrow. I'm going to do this. I'm going to freaking yeah. write tomorrow. 
Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Sharing thank you for sharing your, you know, your stories, your your lessons and so and for freaking creating everything. Like Oh, thank you. You know, Marcel, honestly, when anyone ever talks about Mr. Khan like that, it it means so much to me because it's like, you know, it's the little conference I could, you know, just to keep it deliberately small. And it just means a lot. So thank you for the kind words. And I really appreciate it. And coming from a guy, you know, like I said, eight years ago, I was slinging front web designs for bagels and places to sleep around the world. And, you know, (laughs) now it's not that and i just so it's always very nice to hear stuff like that so i appreciate it all right aj send you a big hug from nicaragua to austin texas thanks talk soon you heard it folks i hope you enjoyed that conversation with aj leon who's turning everybody into a misfit because everybody who comes across him and his team falls deeply in love and that's why Almost all of my guests so far have included a mention to Misfit. So I hope that you find inspiration and motivation through everything that AJ had to say. So by the way, you can find links to everything we mentioned throughout the show, including AJ's projects, Misfit, MisfitCon, or a past website because MisfitCon doesn't have a website, but you know what I'm talking about. Everything that has to do with this show and everything we mentioned today, you can find at www.process.show. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could hop on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, if that's true for you. And if not, you can find me over on Twitter. I'm Marcinator on Twitter. Stop by, say hi. You know the drill. I'll be back next Friday with the next episode of Process and more on managing the ups and downs of the creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process. Thanks so much for listening.